the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Yes, indeed. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Come Together San Diego. We have got great insights on this broadcast. Do you ever have time that you spend with a good friend and you go, you know, we don't have to make small talk. We can just jump right into it because you have similar hearts. Well, that's the case with Earl Clampett. I call him here comes the judge, Earl Clampett, and he not only has uh, a broadcast experience, but he's a, a, a an author and so many more things. And we can start the conversation about it at a thirty thousand foot level and go up from there. Earl Clampett, how you doing? I am doing pretty well, Cass. How are you? I'm doing fine. And we've got a book to talk about. It's your brand new book called Homecoming. We've got another book that was written by a friend of both of ours. And let me, uh, this is, a, he was on the air with me a while back. And, uh, and he was teasing me about my mispronunciation of his name, but I'm going to try it and you can, you can correct me like Don did. It's called The Kingdom from Creation to the Millennium with, by Don and Volsen. And Volsen. And Volsen. And Volsen. And, you know, you and I spend a lot of time on this kingdom-aged uh, theology and what it looks like. And it's different from what people might think because they're used to doing churchy things. And the kingdom mentality is totally different. We're going to get into some of that. Are we not, Earl? We are. And what else? And we're going to do the first three segments are going to be Don's book. And yes. then the last five segments will be uh, my book. And I'm doing it in that order because I wanted to t- teach my book over where I attend at uh, Tree of Life um, Messianic Jewish Congregation. And, and I thought, after four and a half years, I'm ready to teach this book. And here this door opens, and I get this opportunity over there, and the Lord says, no, don't teach your book. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? And he says, teach Don and Evolson's book first. That will be the framework, and then yours is to build on top of that foundation. I know it. And, you know, really, when you step back at God's plan, he has, uh, you know, a lot of people that have horizontal relationships that have different pieces of the puzzle, sometimes you have to set the stage with somebody else's pieces of the puzzle before you get into your pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, that's absolutely Ain't that so? Absolutely true. You know, one of the things that we're also going to do is mention your show, which is happening on Sundays— on KPRZ, the same radio station, actually, AM 1210 FM 106.1 on Sundays from 11 a.m. to noon, and it's called Simple Truth Moments. Just briefly, what's that about, Earl well, Clampett? We're trying to um, tell people that the Scripture really is a pretty simple story, and uh, it's profound. 
but it's simple. And so we're trying to uncomplicate the scripture. So that's why we call it simple truth moments. Yes, I, I love it. Okay, well, let's, uh, the king, you know, scripture says, I think it's in Matthew where it says, and the kingdom of God must be preached, and then the end shall come. It must be preached to all nations. I mean, but, but the mentality of the kingdom, a lot of people just don't understand it, understand that the kingdom gospel is a little different than the salvation gospel. They're tied together, but it's kind of like they're two different sides of the same coin. But the kingdom really is the thing, especially in these troublesome times. I'm just going to read you the back of Don's book. And it said, Jesus did not preach, quote, the gospel, close quote. He proclaimed, rather, the gospel of the kingdom. He said, the difference is prodigious. I had to look that word up. That's a $25 (laughs) word, and I'm going, it must be important. Uh, But it basically is significant. And then he says, so begins this insightful and groundbreaking examination of the kingdom of God, its meaning, its purpose, its history, and its future. Above all, the kingdom explores the role of human beings in God's plan for planet Earth. From the vice regency instituted way back in the creation through the destruction of the fall to the later appearance of the Messiah and ultimately redemption and restoration of God's divine design. Yes. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to use that book for the first three segments, and then we'll follow up on Homecoming the last five you segments. You know, it didn't take long in my uh, time with uh, Don Endvoldsen. It didn't take long for me to realize that uh, we, you know, we— have t- taken the same scriptures and had have little slightly different nuances on it, but it's actually it's God's plan to to dovetail these things together. And I had such a a magnified understanding of the word from under, understanding Don's point of view, and also a guy named Earl Clampett. Well, it was amazing. You know, I met him, uh, Don at Olson, back in uh, August of 2019, and we met over at Bob Wolf's house up in um, Malibu, and uh, Bob was. P- you know, putting a, together a coalition to write a, a pamphlet called a field manual uh, called the Kingdom Calling Field Manual. And it was going to be both Jews, uh, uh, Jewish authors yes. and Gentile authors coming together. And it took us uh, for, no, let me think. It took us two and a half years to write 33 pages of material. <laughs> okay. And the reason is, is because we all had to set aside our individual agendas and always going back to the Father and say, what is your will here? And it was amazing how he blended in Absolutely. the Hebrew consciousness, the Hebrew uh, design and framework with the Gentile contribution, and it actually worked. It came together, and it was something that was really divine as, and as long as we got out of the way and uh, let go and let God. Yes. So anyway, um, the, the point that I was going to make of this first meeting, I went up to Don. And we were comparing notes and what we thought. And he says, well, I'm an author. And I said, well, I'm an author. And so we were comparing notes. And so I asked him a question because I just kind of want to get to the point. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that um, dispensationalism? You, and you better define that, too. Okay. Well, basically that God has a special dispensation for Gentile yes, believers sir. that was different from, the, the, Jewish from the Jewish folks. Yes. I said, do you believe that dispensationalism trumps um, the law of sowing and reaping. Mm, oh, that's a hefty. S- and he looked at me, and he didn't even hesitate. He goes, "No, no way does it trump the law of sowing and reaping." And so, because, and the reason I was saying that dispensationalism is because I think it, it has gotten warped into, unfortunately, perverting the meanings of grace. 
uh, the meaning of faith, the meaning of salvation, to basically t- turning grace into a perversion to say um, grace is functioning or operating as a legal excuse for us to claim that we're, quote, unquote, saved while we continue to plan our sin, carry out our sin, and saying Jesus must forgive me, and he's obligated to do so. So basically, we've ruined the testimony of the church. There, We don't see righteousness, we don't see holiness, and we don't see obedience in the church, and we wonder right. why things are so messed up. And it's because of what dispensationalism has, has turned into. And may I say, when you're talking about the church— Let's just bring it back to home ground. You're not talking. You, you you are relating it to the entire church uh, around the world, but m- even more specifically, the church in America for sure. And we have been given more opportunities for freedom than other countries can even consider because of our constitution was built on Judeo-Christian values, right? Well, and and yes, and even goes 150 years before that, yes. where you've got these. And, and um, I'll tell you who wrote about this was Jonathan Kahn when he wrote that book, The Oracle. Mm-hmm. And it was a fascinating study that he said, look, you know, America didn't really start in 1776. It actually started, you know, when John Winthrop came over, yes. uh, post-Jamestown, post-Pilgrims. Uh, um, but and, and then I think it was 1630 when they came over, and they made covenants with God before they even left the ships. Ooh, that's so good. And, so and, and, and they said, look, we want to be judged um, just as you judged ancient Israel. In other words— we're going to, and we're going to tie these covenants to the land. In other words, the covenants were going to follow through with the land that they were about to, to put, set foot on. And um, the problem is, is that God takes you seriously if you say, I want to make a contract with you. I yes. want to make a covenant yes. with you. Well, we have to go back and read what those were all about. Exactly. And my listening friend, one of the things you need to do, especially when you listen to Earl, because he is de- dealing with the Jew and the Gentile, and you will see that the story for the Jews that you would see in the First Testament is very synonymous with the story he's telling of the Gentiles in America and other places as well, because we have the same flaws, but we're looking at things from different points of view. We've got about one minute. You want to pitch and present what we're going to do in the next segment after the break. Sure. Okay. So in the second segment, um, well, we're going to talk about the first, in the beginning, what was man's purpose? This is per the um, Donna Anna Volson's book, The Kingdom from Creation to the Millennium. And we're going to also include not only the um, what was man's purpose, but how did it blow up? Yes. How did it change? I mean, it happened pretty soon by the third chapter of Genesis. Everything's <laughs> blown up. And, and like, are, you, are you talking about things like as it was in the days of Noah, for example, and other things as well? I mean, this this is... Earl, this is mind-boggling. If you were to look at the Scripture and itemize the things that went wrong in, the, uh, in Genesis, and you take a look at where we are right now, it's the same kind of thing, except it's multiplied in many ways. Earl, we've got about uh, 20 seconds left in this segment. The Bible, based on what you just said, which is very true, the Bible is cyclical. It repeats itself because it has a circular framework, not a linear straight line. Okay, we're going to talk more about that one. Earl Clampett of Simple Truth Ministries and Simple Truth Moments on Cape Praise on uh, Sunday mornings at 11. And I, when we come, I'll write the back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Cape Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Cape Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. Come Together San Diego, the second of eight segments, is 
in your face and in your ear right now. I've got my friend Earl Clampett. Earl Clampett is a broadcaster along with me on KPRZ. He has an 11 a.m. show that runs from 11 a.m. to noon. It's called Simple Truth Moments, so you might want to check that out on Sunday. You know, Earl, I'm going to hand the baton to you here, but I'm going to give you the whole segment to just sing and dance however you want to do that. But my wife, whom I love, is is thinking about being an author. And she, the first book she's titled, she, you know, like I do, we come up with a title first. So she hears, I'm going to give you the title because it's going to play right in <laughs> to what you want to talk about. She goes, you know, you know, the scripture talks about God made man in his image and likeness. And her book is going to be called, And Man Made God in Him in His Image. And I said, wow, that's an astute observation. And it really ties in to the mentality of mankind and maybe a good launch pad for where you want to talk right now. Earl, clap it. All right. Thanks, Cass. Well, um, I'm going to take these uh, three, first three chapters out of uh, Don and of Olson's book, um, The Kingdom from Creation to Millennium. And the first chapter is called Only Human. And uh, he talks about um, the, the fact that we are made in God's likeness and in his image. And that we yes. see that in um, Genesis one twenty six through the end of the chapter. And he explains that the likeness part is more like a vertical uh, download, if you will, yes. from God into us where he pours into us his likeness. And so we're the receptacles, if you will. And the purpose of becoming like God is so that we can horizontally, so ver- the first one is vertical, good, good. the horizontally to share his image, reflect his image out to um, the creation. And the purpose of that is, um, in essence, the mechanism is a, um, what would you call it? It's a product, but it's also a mechanism, and that's man's dominion, his authority that mm-hmm. he was given initially to run this place, rule and reign. It, to rule and reign. That's right. And um, I've I've said if you read the book of Job, um, very few desire to read that. Book. <laughs> At least the first three <laughs> chapters. <know> yeah, the <laughs> first three chapters kind of sets it up um, that there's an obsession uh, between the fallen angel kingdom and. Father God, yes. um, about this creation called man. Um, it, it, you can see this on Isaiah uh, 14, uh, verse 12 sure. to the end. You can see this in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, yep, yep. Uh, all the way through. And it basically is a frustration level that the uh, fallen angels expressed that they could not understand for a moment why Father God would take these dust balls that he breathed into. and Are you listening, my dust ball friends? <laughs> and basically said, I want you guys, through the authority I'm going to give you, to have dominion over this place, to, to nurture it, to run it, to work it, to keep it, and to um, – and this whole likeness and imaging um, really is – a continuation of us being creative creatures because we are in God's likeness. We are to bring fruitfulness and life to our surroundings. And that doesn't just mean physical male-female reproduction. Right. It's talking about creativity. It's talking about uh, uh, being motivated, being incentivized to come up with uh, the man's own ideas. As an example, we have Father God in ch- chapter 2 
he's venting and creating all these animals out of the dust and what he doesn't name them he brings them over to his co-regent or co-ruler if you will (laughs) and he says adam and he's really excited it's like it's like this is fun they're they're enjoying themselves he says what are you going to call this one what are you going to call that one and what's interesting is father god never um cuts off adam and says, you know, that's really a dumb name. Or why would you, you know, select something like that? That's we're not going to do that. He never does that. Yeah. He says, Adam, this is. I'm giving you all of this. I, it's yours. It's my good pleasure to give you the yes. kingdom. And he says, I think that's a rhino. And God says, No, that's a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, Sorry about that, my friend. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> anyway, so, but the, what the interesting thing is, um, the whole process of this creation kind of blows up pretty quickly um, that that we see in chapter three, and the reason is is because of this Ezekiel twenty eight and yes. Isaiah fourteen uh, revolution or rebellion that was going on. It didn't begin here. It actually right. started in up in the heavens. That's right. And everyone says, oh, man is the problem. Well, he really is a part of the problem, but he isn't the source of the problem. The source of the problem was an angry, um, jealous, fallen angel That's who right. could not figure out God's design, God's plan, God's uh, scheme of of blueprint formation by putting man in charge he the enemy was scratching his head and saying no we should be the one who rule this yes, earth yes, and let me just intercede here my listening friend what you're watching this happening in the earth right now it's the enemy trying to take the place of god you'll see it in everything you'll see it in the news you'll see it in the various institutions you'll see it in governmental issues as well it's everywhere and we just need to be aware of it and stand our ground earl clampett well and and um so as we see this Job conversation going on in the first three chapters, you'll notice that Satan doesn't have free authority to do anything. Right. And so what he has to do, God isn't going to give this fallen angel authority to have dominion on this, on this earth. But if Satan can somehow convince yes, somebody who deceive. has received yes, 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 yes. the authority and the legal permission so to voluntarily hand it over to him, uh, well, then now his residual power he has right. even after he fell uh, can now be implemented in the earth through this uh, deceit, yes, this right. fraud that basically Eve got duped and her husband didn't stop her. And she let her imagination go through false suggestions about the motivations of Father God. In other words, attacking his character and his nature by creating doubt in her mind. Why did he say, you have dominion, but you can't uh, eat of this tree over here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And so he planted these suggestions because he knew how powerful and creative is the enemy, the deceiver. Yes, but he knew how much um, power our imagination as human beings is and how much it has. And so he said, if I can just get her imagination to start fixating on this fruit and that she is now imagining a situation, she says, oh, I could be like God if I eat this fruit. And the irony, Kaz, is the sad thing is she already had the likeness. 
yes, she had her likeness already. And the sad thing is that she not only, um, <laughs> through her imagination, basically lost what she already had. And that's the tragedy it of is. this. And my listening friend, I'm going to give it back to Earl to do a, a closing statement and tease the next segment. But what Earl has explained is exactly what's going on in the earth right now. So, you, you know, look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I deceiving myself? Am I allowing the enemy to deceive me? Am I allowing uh, a news broadcast to deceive me? Am I allowing uh, a, a doctor or even a, a pastor or a leader of leaders, something like that, to give me a nuance that was not a godly thing? We have the obligation to understand God and make our stand. Go ahead, Earl. What, in 30 seconds, tell us what we've got going okay, on. Okay, the one Next thing segment. that God guarded for himself, kept for himself, yes. was the right to decide what was beneficial for man and what was yes. harmful to man, yes. right? And man basically wanted to play God and said, uh-uh, I'm going to be my own God by deciding on my own what can do me harm and what can be a benefit to me. And Ooh. that's the core issue. Yes, and this is a, it's a core issue today. We're going to talk more about that and other things. We're, we're dealing uh, with, with a book by a guy named Don N. Volzen, and it's called The Kingdom from Creation to the Millennium. And I want you to be aware that we are in those times now. And th- it's not time for us to kick the can down the road and say, I'll deal with it tomorrow or even next month or next year. It is NOW now. Earl Clampett and uh, Kaz are going to talk more about these things and so much more when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next on Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. I have a feeling that this segment is going to be one of my favorites. Also, I have one of my favorite people here face-to-face with me in the studio, L-I-V-E Live. His name is Earl Clampett. He's a man who's a student of Scripture. He's a man who's an author. He's a man who's on the air on K-Praise on Sundays from 11 o'clock to noon. It's a show called Simple Truth Moments, you might want to tune into that as well. Earl Clamp. by the way, Earl, and my listening friend, if you want to communicate with me and say, love the shows, hate the shows, I have an idea for a show, you can communicate with me. I have a special uh, a website and uh, contact information just by simply going to come together San Diego at kprz.com. Come together San Diego at kprz.com. Want to hear from you. And I also want to hear from my foxhole friend, Earl Clampett. So I, I love the topic. I love God's di- divine purpose, but I'm sad about what mankind has done in the face of God's divine purpose on our behalf. Earl? So by, uh, by the time we hit <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, Everything on God's blueprint basically blows up, and uh, it's because man voluntarily hands his authority over to the adversary, his authority to have dominion over the earth, which is his inheritance from the Father, right? That's right. And so he hands it over voluntarily to the adversary, and um, we have been paying the price ever Ever since. since. And so... um, the other thing that happened, Kaz, in the fall was that man lost his original purpose. That's right. And by the way, we are in the fall now. <laughs> yeah, it continues. So to speak. His original purpose was to represent God. And why do you say that? Well, because he was made in God's likeness. But then, after the vertical download of receiving his godlike uh, character and nature, 
we were supposed to image that out to the world to another in other words be representers or yes, represent, represent god okay to the world but that was our foundational purpose that was our fundamental purpose well guess what after we hand over our authority of to have dominion over this earth we basically have a warping of our purpose and what was to be dominion was to be the mechanism and the product of representing yeah, define god define dominion quickly for dominion our is is basically a governmental function to basically rule and reign and to do it in a way that would reflect god's uh, image yeah, and his character in, and and yeah. reflect his will yes. absolutely so everything becomes warped everything becomes uh, twisted and dominion with a loss of man's purpose is not dominion anymore it actually becomes something warped called domination oh my and we can see that in the drama with uh, Cain and Abel and uh Cain realizes that his um, relationship with God is not as intense and close as his brother. And so he, obviously, the enemy is now controlling. Uh, we have, have an injection of, of, of jealousy and envy that comes in. And now it becomes competition between the brothers, at least on, on Cain's part, for Power, mm-hmm. because if I'm gonna, if I can't have dominion as God intended it, I, I can have domination because I still have this desire to rule inside of me. That part didn't go away with yes. the fall, and but the but it gets get perverted from dominion to domination, and now I'm competing for power. And now um, Cain starts to, with his imagination, uh, try to decide on his own how can I fix an injustice that he considers because now he's become God. He doesn't represent God anymore. He has become God because Cain has replaced God. Say that again, because that oftentimes may be, we, 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 in all our innocence, we say, oh, that would never happen. But look in the mirror. How many times are you doing something adverse to what you know God would like you to do? That means you're replacing God you right are. now. Yeah, and I think a, a, a good way to approach things as to what God is outpouring with us in, in this time, there's, there's an example of the Holy Spirit being the focus on this next revival. Yes. The problem with that is that... Um, Jesus gave us the protocols on how to pray, and he was answering the question. He only teaches us one prayer throughout all of Scripture, (laughs) and it's not called the Our Holy Spirit. It's called the Our Father. And and Jesus represented his Father, okay, by imaging the presence of his divine Father that was dwelling in in Jesus, in Yeshua, and he basically said, everything I do, every motivation I have, every thought that I have, he attributed to the Father. And and in essence, he said, I think in John 4, he says, my very food, Kaz, my very food is to do the will of my Father. Mm. Okay? Well, the Holy Spirit is a critical element in the formation of the kingdom. There's no doubt uh, because of what all the things and the roles that the Holy Spirit has as far as nurture and, and supplier of gifts and, and discernment and, and resources and weaponry for how we can function. But the, here's the problem. When we do things out of God's protocol by making, we 
our own motivations to say, well, I'm surely God would uh, would yeah. approve of, of yeah. us praying directly to the Holy Spirit. We've dropped the the, the article off, and we're now saying, oh, Holy Spirit, and it's all about Holy Spirit come with this new movement. And I've always said, Kaz, that, God, uh, that Satan is going to have, I believe very strongly, a parallel uh, revival that is phony and a mimic, mimicking the real revival. Yes. And the difference that you can tell between the two is one is a um, Matthew seven twenty one type of situation where you have several people saying, Lord, Lord, uh, didn't you realize that we did all these things in your name? We cast out demons. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Um, only those who do and did the will of my Father. Father. See, it always comes back to Father. And see, unfortunately... Um, you're going to see in the phony revival, there'll be, there'll be miracles, there'll be casting out of, of demons, there'll be all the glitz and the hype and the power and all this, and, and the crowds will be uh, amazed. Yes. But what is missing in the fake one is the focus on Father. Your oh. kingdom come. There you go. Father, Father your dominion. will be done. Yes, 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 yes. And that's the only thing that matters. I mean, uh, Paul said this, and he said, look, uh, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. The only thing that matters is keeping the commandments of God. Oh, that's so good. And, 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 and that's what Moses taught. He says, hey, I'm presenting to you on his swan song that before he's, he's leaving the Hebrew people, he's saying, uh, I, give, I put before you the choice of life and death and, and, and uh, the difference between life and death was this verse, I think it was out of Ezekiel, that says the soul that sins mm-hmm. shall die. Yes. So it's not a matter of where we go, Cass, so much as, as, as whether we have life or death. And life is defined uh, as a relational experience. And you see this in John seventeen three, where it says, and this is eternal life. This is the night before Jesus died. He's in the upper room with the apostles, and he said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Yes. Now that is not know about in your brain. That's no trusting relationally from your heart because you have a dependence on God to say, I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving until you tell me that you're in this with me and that this will be a reflection of your will and your desire in carrying out the the next aspect of the kingdom. So Earl, let me, let me yeah, I'm a word guy, okay? And so what you're talking about is once a mankind, a human being that loves God, once they relate relinquish that power and give it to God. God, that's where the dominion comes in. God's dominion is encased around you because you have given God something that he's given to you, that you're giving to him, that he's giving to you. And all of a sudden there's a dominion issue there, but the enemy transforms the word dominion. I love what you said to domination. Well, and and, and here's the thing with with what you just explained is spot on. It's what you described, Kaz, is a co-mission. Oh, yes. Right? And the other day the Lord told me, he says, Earl, um, instead of doing stuff for me, why don't you do stuff with me? Oh, I love it, Earl Clavin. And all of a sudden it became this, oh, I – I really am a co-regent. I, I, am, I am a co-ruler with God because what I have done is saying I am going to represent strictly 
only what Father God, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done. When we say your kingdom mm. come, we're not talking about a place. We're talking about his government coming down to Ooh. bring order out of chaos. Oh, that's so good. Okay? Er, yeah, Earl, as a word guy, here's what God was stirring in me as we were talking about that. God wants between he and his kids, dominion. The enemy wants domination. And when I look at domination, first of all, dominion, uh, we, we know what domin, domin, dominion, and we've talked about it. What the enemy uses for dominion is called voting machines. I, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but oh, I mean, really. But also, this dominion from our perspective, from God's perspective, he takes as domination. But what, when you play with that word a little bit, you got domination, but you also have demonation my friends. So we're going to talk more about that. We've got some other things talking about as well. I thought I would blow Earl's mind just a little bit there. So my listening friend, Earl is going to be spending the rest of the two-hour broadcast with me at the top of 7 o'clock as well. And and so we're going to be going into the... Uh, the fourth segment of eight segments, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jewish perspective now because that must come into tandem with the uh, Gentile perspective in harmony with one another. And that really is where dominion is in full throat, in full force. We're going to talk more about that when Earl Clampett and Kaz Taylor, <laughs> that's me and that's Earl, coming right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friends. We've got one more segment in the first hour and then four more segments thereafter. And I am with longtime friend Earl Clampett. And uh, he is a minister of the gospel, but he's also an author. And uh, his newest book is called Homecoming. We're about ready to talk about that as well. But we've also talked about a Don Enveldson book as well, talking about the kingdom. Earl Clampett, uh, I know, you know, you and I love Israel. We love the Jews. We love the Gentiles. We love them coming together. We look into certain books in, in Scripture that talks about it, like Romans, Jew first and also to the Greek and things like that. But the traditional, what do I say, the, the evangelical church spends very little time on the Jewish component. <clears throat> God wants us to embrace the Jewish component because this dominion that you talk about, this intimacy that you talk about cannot be embraced without the fullness of God's plan, and the fullness of God's plan includes Jew and Gentile, or bond and free as well. So I'm going to hand the baton to you because we want to talk about the Jewish uh, component and and covenants in general, but uh, how they relate to us, N-O-W now, Earl the Clampet. <laughs> well, so here uh, is an interesting question. Can you imagine if I came up to you, and you're a recent you know, believer, and... Uh, I said, hey, there's this book called The Bible. Cass, it's amazing. It is God's Word. Uh, by the way, yeah. you don't have to read the first two-thirds of the book. Just, <laughs> just read the last third, right? And if it's such a good book, you'd be looking at me like kind of like twisting your head like a dog you know, when he hears a strange noise, like, yeah. huh? Uh-huh. Why wouldn't you want me to read the first two-thirds? And it's kind of like if I'm selling you a house – and um, you're, I know you're looking for a house, let's say, as an example. And I say, well, um, I can sell you, Kaz, an amazing roof. Oh, R-O-O-F, roof. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, not a woof, but a roof, okay? <laughs> and um, 
it's an amazing roof. It has Spanish tiles. It has solar panels on it, et cetera. But when you're looking for a dwelling place, it might be uh, kind of strange to you because you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Um, isn't there a, a cornerstone? Isn't there a foundation? Mm-hmm. Aren't there walls? Isn't there plumbing and piping and all? Yes. This is just a roof. And that's what we do when we tell people, look, um, Jesus came to basically start another religion. I'm not sure what he'd call it. Um, people might call it the Paulines because it only says that only what Jesus said um, after the cross counts. And Paulines, by that you mean the, the writings of Paul, Of uh, Paul, yeah. yeah. And, they, and we treat Paul as if he's some sort of foreign writer writing about things that are inconsistent with what Jesus taught in the four Gospels. Oh, That's what I was taught. In, at all. Well, I, I was taught that. I know. In, in Bible school. And, and so I thought, well, this is crazy. I mean, I told my fellow students if what the teacher is saying that um, pre-cross, all the Gospels were only exclusively for Jews— I said, I'm going to graduate probably a year ahead of time because I don't have to take these these four gospel classes because I'm not <laughs> Jewish. I'm a Gentile. Why would I have to take those classes if they don't pertain to me? I just want the, the stuff as post-cross, which are Paul's epistles. And that's pretty much what we do when yeah, we, when we so put true. the Scripture out there. It makes no sense. That's right. So in order to... Figure they out. have the roof, but they don't have the structure underneath to support the roof. Exactly. And God's yes. building a dwelling place. Yes. He's building a temple, a temple <laughs> in which to dwell. And it isn't God with man like we saw in Genesis 1 and 2. Everything we see um, in the covenants and and especially in the New Testament, what they call the Jews call the Brit Hadashah, that is all about not God with man so much, but rather God inside of man. That's so good. Way more profound, way more, way profound. more intimate, okay? And way more uh, empowering as well. Absolutely. So we have to figure out, um, so why are, why are Jewish covenants, why should they be important to Gentiles? And we have to go back to Genesis chapter 12, 15, uh, chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter 22, and 26. That's pretty much where the, the covenants are, and to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, after the flood, realized, hey, these people really are incorrigible. You see this in Genesis 11. No one learned anything after the flood. Everyone comes back and they want to start building the Tower of Babel in order to go all the way up to heaven, of course, to be like God, but without submitting to God. That's the same thing Satan said in the five I wills in Isaiah 14. He wanted to be like God, but he didn't want to submit to To God. God. And so this Tower of Babel thing is kind of what we see very much in the church today. Man has plans. Religious man puts on his veneer of religiosity, and he says, I've got a better way to build this kingdom, but they don't consult and don't make themselves dependent on God in a trusting sort of yes. relationship. So here we are, and, and God says in Genesis 12, look, I'm going to pick a group of people through whom I am going to send what is known as a Messiah, a deliverer. Deliverer from what? Well, Satan is, has been running the earth since Genesis chapter 3. It's really interesting, in the, Kaz, in the Jewish Bible, um, when you see the word salvation or saved, Uh-oh. what you see instead in the Jewish Bible, and, um, because you'll see that in all the you know, in, um, English translations, saved or salvation, what you will see is delivered and basically deliverance. Mm-hmm. 
Now, let me show you what the difference is. When we think like Greek straight line linear people that we are, listen, if we grew up in Western civilization, we intellectually, yeah. we are Greeks. Okay, yeah. let's just admit it. And but, but by linear, you mean this happens and then this happens and this, but then we can check it off and we can check that off. Right, right. But, but linear means, um, I mean, let's face it, what do we preach in a linear gospel? Uh, it's based on Socratic thought, Greek thought. It's based on Aristotle thought. It's based on the thinking of Plato, the philosophies of what existed after the diaspora when the Hebrew gospel uh, post destruction of the temple, second temple, it goes out into the Greek world. It goes yeah. out into the Roman Empire yes. world. Well, that's paganism, yes. and it influenced the, pure, the purity of the Hebrew gospel. And what we ended up with was trying to um, make a circular, cyclical Hebrew message into a linear type of uh, Jesus came. This is what we preach. Let's just be honest. The reason Jesus came is so that when I die, I get to go to a place called heaven. heaven. It's transportational, not transformational from the power of Satan over to the power of God. God, so So it's a different type of gospel. So basically, God selects Jewish covenants to be a roadmap for how do you restore the God's government back to earth? It was earth that we lost as our inheritance as part of Adam and Eve being thrown out of the garden. We lost our relationship with our father. So as disconnected from the father, we, by definition, are now dead men walking. We do not have eternal life because we don't know God. The other thing that we lost is our family um, inheritance, which is earth. The Jews, every one of these covenants have to do with the land that Father God is going to give to this special group of people who are going to be a prototype to be a light to the nations. Well, there's only two groups of people in the Bible. They're the Jews and the Gentiles, the people of the nations. And so God set up this uh, framework beginning at Genesis 12 going forward to say, I'm going to develop a prototype of how man is supposed to interact with God, and it's going to be based on these covenants or contracts, if you will. Now, I'll make it real quick. You don't get to know a person until you have a contract with them. Let me give you an example. If you're a a landowner and you're renting a house out to somebody, and I sign this contract, you don't know anything about me. But after four or five months, you're going to say, you know what? This guy doesn't pay on time. You know what? He doesn't. He's always trying to cut corners. You know what? This guy isn't honest because he's always trying to jip me. He's always trying to cheat me. He's always trying to uh, basically um, get around our original agreement. You get to know people when you set up covenants and contracts, because when the performance part of that, you start to know, whoa, is this the way this person is? That's why God set up covenants. He wants to display what he is to his people and what his people need to be to him. Yes, yes. And and may I also say, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you're talking about a lot of different covenants. There's some covenantial stuff in the New Testament, but it's most of it, if not all of it, is 
is based on First Testament or Old Testament things. And if you disregard the the First Testament, you're really uh, disregarding the foundation upon which these covenants are built. Wouldn't that be right? We've got about uh, 30 seconds. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. I came came in Matthew 5. He says, my 517, I came to fulfill them. That's right. Well, he is the new covenant. And he's the one who's supposed to be placed in our mind and placed in our heart, written in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And it's an inside job, Cass. (laughs) I love it. My listening friend, I'm with Earl Clampett. He's an author, a longtime friend, and he's a broadcaster on Come Together San Diego, uh, not on Come Together San Diego, on KPRZ. Sorry about that. I almost put you in my show like that. <laughs> That's Sorry great. about that, Earl. <laughs> I'll Sunday, Sundays at 11 o'clock <laughs> to noon. It's called Simple Truth Moments. You might want to tune into that as well. We've just finished the first hour. We've got the second hour, and we're going to talk a lot about his new book called Homecoming, but we're going to deal with the Jewish component and the Gentile component and how they are tied together, how the mystery of the new covenant brings both the Jew and the Gentile back together under Abba Father, through Holy Spirit, under the tutelage of Holy Spirit, under the direction of the Lord himself, Jesus or Yeshua. We're going to talk more about these things when Earl Clampett and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, thank you, and thanks for listening, my friend. We're in the second hour of the two-hour broadcast for Come Together San Diego. By the way, you can reach me if you want to talk to me about uh, programs or things that you like or didn't like. Go to Come Together San Diego at KPRZ.com. Come Together San Diego at KPRZ.com. I am talking with a longtime friend. I call him my foxhole friend because when the the, the heat of the battle uh, is happening, I like to have people to my left and my right who see things the same way and see the enemy the same way so that we can be watching out for the the distortions of the enemy. And this Earl Clampett is one of these people. Earl Clampett is a remarkable guy. He's an author, and he's a broadcaster on uh, on the Salem Media Group as well on KPRZ, 11 o'clock uh, in the afternoon and to noon, 11 a.m. to noon on Sundays. That's tomorrow, Earl Clampett. Uh, uh, let me just quickly read my theme uh, for the show, and then it's going to be a good uh, uh, springboard. Is that, is that okay, Earl? Sure. Okay. Uh, fellow KPRZ broadcaster Earl Clampett joins Kaz to highlight his new book entitled Homecoming, Uncover God's Mystery to bring, Bringing Jew and Gentile Together in These Troublesome Times and How Today's American Church Has Violated the Lord's Covenant of What Must Be Reconciled Now. So I'm just setting the stage for you. Now, guess what, Earl Clampett? I'm handing you the baton. <laughs> run, run, run. Yes, sir. Well, um, Jewish covenants serve as roadmaps back to the restoration of God's original design. And if you, Kaz, if you talk about restoring something, that means you earlier possessed it at some earlier time. Well, what did we possess? We possessed dominion over the earth. We were supposed to represent God. And we had a relationship with God. And so um, what's interesting in the book of Acts, um, in Acts chapter 1, Verse 6, the apostles approached Jesus. He's already, uh, this is the risen Jesus, but he hasn't quite ascended yet. And in verse 6, it says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, 
will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Covenants with Israel always involved land. That was the impact of the covenant very often. And you can see that in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17. All of the references were to make Abraham a father of of many nations, but there was always the, the land component that was involved. And in essence, we were given the land in Genesis 1 and 2. We handed over our authority in Genesis 3 over to the enemy, and the whole point of covenants uh, between God and man is to establish a roadmap, if you will, of relational interchange between God and man to basically have a family reunion. What did we lose in Genesis 3? We didn't lose heaven. We lost our relationship with our Father. And the other thing we lost, Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden. And so they were dispossessed of a key element of the land. And the whole earth fell under a curse. So the point of these covenants with a prototype people like the Jews is to say, I am going to restore your relationship with me, because through covenants and contracts, that's how people get to know each other when not just the signing, but in the performance of the covenant or the contract. In the process of that performance, people get to really know each other. Are you reliable? Will you pay on time? Will you um, be a person of, an integri- of integrity? That's what covenants are for, because they're basically an outline of how to have interactions with God, how to find out that he is trustworthy. He is one who always does what he says. The question is, is whether the people on the other side of that contractor covenant will do their part. And so that's why God selected covenants to be an example of how relationship between man and God should look like. Well, the uniqueness of these covenants uh, between God and man were to basically be roadmaps of circular design. They're supposed to be, oftentimes I'll explain to people, they'll say, well, what's the Bible all about? And I say, you know, you really want to keep it simple? It's about a family reunion. And they go, a family reunion? It's like, what, really? Yeah, you lost your dad, and you lost your inheritance of the earth. And so... So God set up through covenants a promise that there was going to be a seed. Yes. And I'm going to read this out of well, Galatians. Well, but we, we've got to take a break, I think, right now. So can, can you set it up in 15 seconds, and we'll come back after the commercial Yeah, break we're going to we'll read it out of Galatians, how this seed was going to be a Messiah type of figure to bring man back to God right. and to get his, his inheritance of earth back. That's right. We're going to talk more about those things as we delve into some of the content of, of Earl Clampett's book called Homecoming and also a book called God's Word is Scripture. We're going to talk more about these things when Earl Clampett and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Back here at Come Together San Diego, Cass here with Earl Clampett. We've got some amazing things going on, 
And I want to share, you know, Earl, I apologize to you. I cut you short in the last segment. You were right in the middle of making a big point, and Kaz goes, oh, commercial break. (laughs) I came in a little early on the commercial break. No problem. I'm going to let you pick up the ball here, and we have a little bit of extra time in this uh, next segment here. So lay it on us, Earl Clampett. You've got some great things to say, particularly as it deals with some of the content of your book and Homecoming, uh, How the Mystery of the New Covenant Brings Both the Jew and the Gentile Back to Abba Father. And... Continue your conversation. Forgive me, Earl. So Jewish thinking is restorational. Yes. Okay? Um, and uh, unfortunately, Gentile thinking is more transportational. We just want to— Say that again. That's right. Jewish thinking is more restorational. In other yes. words, you're going to restore the lost relationship or the severed, ruptured relationship be- between you and Father God in, in, in Genesis chapter 3. And also, you lost your inheritance of the land. And so— um, fathers give inheritances to their children. And so if we're going to think like Greeks and say, oh, only the ethereal is good, only the ethos is yes. good, and that after we die and, and basically get rid of this human body, we just want to have our spirit go up into the great by and by. And up there, um, I'm, I was always taught, gee, you're going to play a harp on top of a cloud. And, and I thought my f- stepfather played a harp. It was very heavy, and I didn't understand how um, that cloud could hold that heavy-weighted harp without it fl- going right through the cloud. Oh and I said, this doesn't sound very exciting. And number two, it doesn't make any sense. What is our, our stay on earth all about? Come on, Earl. And so if you start looking in Jewish thinking, unlike Plato, unlike Aristotle, unlike Socrates, um, they were all straight-line thinkers, just they were kind of Gnostic, if you will, in that that philosophy was all through Greek thinking, where it said, look, anything tangible or material or earthly is evil, and only exclusively the spirit world is yeah, good, the right? Abstracts. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely contrary to Jesus, uh, Father God's opinion in Genesis 131, where he looks over everything he finished creating mm-hmm. on earth. Yes, he says. And he says, <laughs> it wasn't just good, Kaz. Yeah. It was very oh, good. So right. Well, we got a problem. We got Gentile, a Gentile church thinking because of Greek philosophy saying, no, 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 it's the opposite. Gnosticism is the way to go, where material is evil, only spirit's good. I'm sorry, that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible foundation and basis is all about. The Jews are going, no, it's about the land. It's about the relationship. You make teshuvah. You come back. You restore. And so look at this question in Matthew 24 where the uh, Jews are asking, um, his apostles are asking Jesus, now, as he sat on, I'm looking at 24.3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, they're talking to Yeshua, to Jesus, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then go over to Acts chapter 1, and this is after Jesus has risen, but before he ascended. This is in one uh, six. Therefore, when they had come together, talking about the apostles, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom 
to Israel. See, so there's always, they understand, just Jews, they understand that there's a restoration yes. process. And so it's a restoring of a ruptured family relationship. Mm-hmm. It's circular. As you begin that restoration, bring, come back to daddy. We just, um, when we were off the air, Kaz, you just read in Ephesians uh, chapter two, eighteen. It talks about three paragraphs, and it explains this restorational process. It says, "Through Him, Who and the is? Him is yes. Yeshua, Jesus, right, and by the Spirit." So we have through Him and by the Holy Spirit, yes. we all come back to to the Father. Yes, it's a circle. That's right. Okay, it's circular, cyclical. Okay, because it fixes that which we had earlier, and it's all about Father God's about rest. Restoring what we had lost. Well, you gotta when when you restore something, it's not a straight line experience. It's a coming back. It's a it's you know what it is. It's a prodigal son. I think it's Luke chapter fifteen. That whole uh, father son exchange. Mm -hmm. And look at Malachi. Uh, The back of my book here of um, homecoming. It says, look, Malachi four verses five and six. This describes our country. Yeah, and it says, but Father God's in the season of launching his plan to unveil and fulfill the commitments of his new covenant, which is Jesus being written in our hearts and minds, and his plan of, listen, family reunification. There it is. Family reunions. Yes. Bringing the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Mm -hmm. That's circular. And the hearts of the children back to the fathers. That's circular. Yeah. Well, when you say circular, it means it was written back then, but it's as valid today as it was then. You know, also in Ecclesiastes chapter one, it says that which was is, and that which is shall come to pass because there's nothing new under the sun. And exactly what you're saying here is not linear. It's circular. Exactly. This principle applies to nuclear families it also applies to the family of nations, both Jew and Gentile together, so we're mm-hmm. part of the family of nations, and above all, the restoration of humanity back to their Father God. So Look, good. we cannot stop with this Greek gospel stopping at Jesus or stopping at the Holy Spirit. Both of them would say, keep going. It's a circular uh, journey, and that's what these roadmap covenants are all about. They are a roadmap to how do you restore the original design of what Father God's blueprint looked like in Genesis 1 and 2. Now, does the church understand the Father's kingdom's goal of establishing heavenly government back on earth? I don't think they do. No. They have been so influenced by by Western Greek linear thinking that they're taking a Hebrew document. Because look, Kaz, we have 40 authors of 66 books. 39 out of the 40 are Hebrew. Now, maybe, maybe there's a debate whether Luke was a a, a, a Gentile or not, right? But, uh, and of course, I study at the Tree of Life. I study under uh, Rabbi Joel Lieberman. He comes up to me, he puts his arm around me, he says, Earl, come here. He asked me, he said, look, I know you teach 39 out of the 40 authors were Jewish, but, Uh and you have one one Gentile. I said, yeah, I, I do. And he says, let me ask you a question. He says, what was um, the occupation of Luke? 
And I said, he was a physician. He was a doctor. He says, "Ah, exactly. Therefore, he was Jewish, and we're claiming him also. (laughs) And I said, you're not going to give us one (laughs) token Gentile? (laughs) And he says, absolutely not. We got 40 out of 40. Anyway, so, but here's the thing. We're not second-class citizens as Gentiles because don't forget, we actually are the ultimate beneficiaries of this covenant between Abraham and God that we see in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17, those three chapters. It's it's actually to our benefit because we are what they call in contract law, third-party beneficiaries. Let me give you an example of a third-party beneficiary contract. If you were to take a um, million-dollar policy out on your uh, insurance policy out on your uh, life, and you went to Prudential or whoever you used, and you say, if I predecease my wife, um, my wife is going to draw a million dollars, you know, from that policy. All right. Now, that contract was between CAS and Prudential Insurance, okay? Well, let's just say Prudential Insurance in our example – hypothetically, is God, and Kaz is Abraham, right? Well, uh, your wife didn't sign the contract, Mm -hmm. but she was mentioned in that contract. Beneficiary? Yes. And and see, the the Jews were put to be the light to the nations, to say, hey, we have these covenants, we have these contracts, this is how God wants to have interchange and a relationship with um, his people. We're the prototype. We're the example, okay? And and if you learn from us, because we've got the tabernacle and we've got the feast, and we all this is symbolic of, of the indwelling of God in yes. us, all right? That's what it's all leading up to. If you guys follow our example, you will learn from the light and benefit, and then you can learn from our mistakes, you can learn from what we did right, and you are going to do the same thing and replicate also that same experience. Well, that's the way it was supposed to work out. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, we Gentiles have messed things up, but unfortunately the Jewish community it's has also they well. has some liability on this as well. Well, so what are the end time purposes of we have to bring Jew and Gentile together if there's going to be a third great awakening. This yeah. Jew Gentile combining together can be seen in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3, and I invite your listeners to check that out, also in Galatians uh, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And just so to show you that we are not second-class citizens, if you look at um, the, Gent- uh, the Galatians 2 and 3 reference, I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 16. Now, to Abraham and his seed, now that word there is capitalized, and that's a capital S, so that's talking to his seed, and that's talking about the Messiah that was going to come out of his his loins, his lineage, right? And that is referring to Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua means Jesus. HaMashiach is the Messiah. Messiah, Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. It does not say, and to seeds as of many, but rather as to one and to your seed, and and Paul says, who is Christ? So there's no doubt who that seed, that Messiah was going to come from that Jewish lineage. But now let's jump from verse 16 down to verse uh, 29 in Galatians 3. Check this out. And this is the way it ends. Paul writes, and if you are Christ, the Jewish Bible says, if you belong to Christ, all right, 
Therefore, you are now Abraham's seed. Jeez. That's a little s, mm. right? So yes. you're a you're a descendant. You're an heir, right? Okay, and therefore heirs according to the promise. What does yes. that mean? Well, it's, it says very clearly in Romans eight fifteen and sixteen. It says, "Look, um, if you." Hold on, let me get to the verse here real quick, and I'll find it here. It says, For the Spirit himself bears witness of our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. That's good. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Joint heirs with Christ. Yes. But part of it is understanding. <laughs> We're joint heirs to Jesus, but we have to identify with him to the degree of he suffered, and we have to understand that there's some issues there that we have to bear as well. It may cost you something. It may cost you something, it may, and, and we, don't, we, don't, we would rather not deal with the cost me something part. Well, Jesus gave everything he had, and, yes. he, and in that process, I think uh, the understanding was, I gave everything for you. The question that, that is unanswered is, will you give everything back to That's me? That's right. Okay. Now we preach a gospel that is no cost and it's you know free of charge and you add water and shake and you know you <laughs> you go down to the Billy Graham crusade and you say the four spiritual laws and you you get the little pamphlet and the way it was preached was hey you know it is a free gift. I get it. Absolutely. It wasn't free from Jesus. <laughs> it cost him something, right? But what's he, what are we getting? See our gospel is partial where we just say, oh, you get forgiveness of sins. But that's not why Jesus came. No. In 1 John 3, uh, 18, it says, and this is the, for this reason, the Son of Man came, right, that he would do away with the works of the devil. That's, that's right. not just forgiveness of sin. No. That's deliverance from its power a over thing you. dominion. Yes. It's yes. from its power over you so that you can be liberated and free. That's why Jews use the word deliverance and not salvation. It ain't transportational. It's transformational. That's so good, Earl Clampett. Well, we've got about 30 seconds in this segment, and I know we want to get into a whole bunch of other stuff. So why don't you give us, our, our listeners, and kind of an overview. By, by the way, my friend, don't just spiritualize, speaking of that, Earl, don't just spiritualize what Earl has said. Take it and buy into it, to own it, because we're in a place right now where we need to make a godly stand, and it's not just saying, oh, by and by, these things will happen. This is a now scripture as well for us to live today. Earl, a quick overview and we'll take a What break. we're going to do real quick in the next segment is we're going to talk about Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. How do we display the kingdom's characteristics? Um, what's it going to look like if we have a third great awakening? What's the world supposed to see from right. us as God's witnesses? Okay, and um, let me just say, my friends, if you take a stick, step back and look at things, we've got a long ways to go and many ways to get there, but God will do a very, very, very quick work with a willing heart. And if you have a willing heart, you need to stay tuned for the next segment because we're going to talk about what those things look like, and you're going to look in the mirror and you say, I'm one of them. And that's so true. Earl Clampett and I will Amen. be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. I have to giggle a little bit because we have uh, pre-created openings uh, for some of these segments here, and we have different leaders of San Diego County voicing into them as we get into the show. And, you know, uh, Earl Clampett, the author and 
and uh, a writer and so many different things, is also intimately tied to the uh, a, a Jewish uh, denomination. Tree of Life. A, a Tree of Life, a Messianic Jewish mm-hmm. congregation. And the leader of that is Rabbi Joel Lieberman, who is just voicing the introduction to this segment. So I <laughs> think this God. is a perfect uh, setup for you to continue the conversation <laughs> about maybe the third uh, great awakening. What is what is that really? How what do the Jews play role in that? What do the Gentiles play in that? I'm going to hand the baton to you and uh, 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 Rabbi Joel Lieberman set the stage for you. Yeah, he sure clever. did. <laughs> he sure did. Well, okay. So here's here's the here's the question. People say, well, why do I care about the Jews? And the Jews say, why do I care about the Gentiles? Well, these. These two groups are going to be brought together to build it's what I call a one new man construction project. You can see that in Ephesians chapter 2. And um, the mystery of one new man is that it's actually the Gentiles who are also co-heirs with the Jews. So, yes. uh, so we're not, like I said, we're not second class citizens at all. We have become members of the household. So we're members of the family. And we now have a citizenship talking about a corporate, you know, a larger group involvement. We have a common citizenship with the Hebrews to say, now, wait a minute. The moment I get born again, Kaz, I'm not part of a Gentile church or a Gentile kingdom, I am part, the moment I get born again, I am part of of what they call the commonwealth of Israel. That is a description of the of the kingdom that John the Baptist announced and that Jesus yes, yes. began to preach. What they were saying was, repent, turn from your ways of thinking, operating, because we have a new sheriff in town called Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and he's bringing this government on his shoulders. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We see that in, in, in uh, Isaiah 9. It talks about all his descriptions, that he's a wonderful counselor, and, and it goes on and on and on. And he says, but he's bringing the government, the kingdom, on his shoulders. Kingdom isn't just a place, it's a government. Well, and so what God is doing by bringing Jew and Gentile together, he's forming this, this building project, if you will. And it says, uh, for through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So he's, it's a family reunion. Jesus came to bring us back to Father God. And they said, where's that? Well, in John fourteen six, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. He didn't say no one gets to heaven but by me. We Gentiles think heaven. He said no one gets to the Father Father. but by me. So it's a family reunion. We lost daddy in the garden. We didn't lose heaven. But let me talk about this this new status of this mystery that Gentiles are co-heirs. I'm reading from Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer – Paul's writing to the Gentiles. You're no longer strangers. And foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and your members of the household of God. That's the family identity, yes. the family connection, right? But then it says, having been built on the foundations. So this is now, picture, if you will, a construction project. You've been built on the foundations of the Jew, I'll throw in there, Jewish apostles and Jewish prophets, because that's who he's talking about. Paul was a Jew. He was a tribe of the Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He studied under Gemaliel. He was Jewish, but he grew up in a Gentile community. And it says this building is going to have a chief cornerstone of Yeshua, of Jesus, but it's going to be built on the 
basis, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And this is the goal. Cad, you say, well, where's it going? What's the point? In whom the whole building is being fit together. So we're so now we're God's combining this Jewish foundation with all of the Gentile contributions of all of the elements of the house of the building, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Now stop. When you say grows, let me finish in verse twenty-two. In whom you're also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's why Jew and Gentile have to be part of this third great awakening. God is building something. He's in a building project. And so if we are being built together for the indwelling of God, it's got to look different. It has to be different. And so we have to say, wait a minute, if I God is residing inside of me, all of a sudden the issues of holiness the issues of righteousness, the issues of, of, of obedience all start to come up to say, what does the kingdom look like? Yes. Well, it's, it's described in John 17, uh, 21, and, and um, very, very well. And Jesus says, as he's praying the night before he dies, he says, Father, I in you, you in me. So here's two concentric circles. Yes. And then we in them, there's there's the third circle, and then he says, so that the world may know. Yes. And he says, I pray for these, and I pray for those. He mentions both those groups in that final prayer. Isn't that interesting? So who's the these? Well, it's all the apostles who are in the room with him at the, at the Last Supper, right? But he says, and those. those. Well, that's the, that's the Gentile component that's coming in and as a tsunami, right? But the, the, house the, can't be, the house can't be built. The house can't be completed until you have the other group that's supposed to come in because don't forget Abraham was supposed to be the father of many Many nations nations. can't leave us out of that equation we're an integral part of that construction of one new man that's right okay and that's why I said in Abba father that's so good the father is our identity he's the one who gives us our identity in the family he's the one that gives us our identity of citizenship in in the commonwealth of Israel Look, Kaz, you're a Gentile, so am I. We are wild olive branches, and we are grafted into the vine, right? So, But our sustenance, our nutrition, our very life has to be drawn off of the roots, the Jewish roots, the Jewish foundation. That was the framework, okay? And, And that sustenance comes into us and gives us our very life. And what what that signifies is God says, I don't want to be with you. I want to be in you, and I want you in me. That's so good. It reminds me of of John chapter 4. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We we Gentiles, we spiritualize things. We spiritualize the whole Old Testament. So we're, we're embracing him in the spiritual component, but the truth, thy word is truth. God's word is really built in the uh, the, the It's built in in the parsha. It's built in in the the the, the Old Testament scriptures becoming becoming tr- truth. Like King David took the letter of the law and turned it into spiritual law. But that's still Old Testament stuff. Well, let me that's let me. Little, and so what God wants to do is it says you, you know. 
God's Father, those who worship him, because he seeketh such to worship him. The seeking of such is the combining of the law and the prophets, the combining of the Old Testament and the New Testament converged together. It's the Jew and the Gentile converged together. You're not going to hear that in many churches because they just don't understand. They don't comprehend. And that is so sad. We've got about one more minute. Okay. So so to to go off the springboard off what you said, in the first verses of John, John, the chapter of First John, not First John. I'm sorry, the Gospel of John. Yes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes. So this law, this Word, is actually okay. Yeshua. That's right. And 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 in, there are two places, Isaiah 42, and I believe Isaiah 40, either 47 or 49, where Father God's talking to the Son, and He's saying, "You are." The new covenant. Mm. Well, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one says what? The new covenant is to be placed in our minds and written in our hearts. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the one that the Holy Spirit is writing, you're placing in your mind and writing in your heart. He is the fulfillment of the word. The word was life and life was the light of men. Oh, I love it. And the last one, and the word became flesh and dwelt. Amongst us, my, my, okay. My. The new covenant is Yeshua, and He's the Holy Spirit is literally placing Ooh. Him in our mind and literally writing Him in our heart. It's transformation where we become righteous, we become holy, we become obedient, and that's what the the world sees in the third yes. great awakening. That's so good. And you know, there's a scripture that comes to mind right now. It talks about being fit, fitly joined together. This fitly joined together is Jew and Gentile. This this fitly joined together is is old, old First Testament and Second Testament all coming together in perfect harmony with one another. Yes. And we're going to spend the last uh, segment talking about these things. And also, I'm going to have you give website information and things like that, how people can find out so much more. I'm with Earl Clampett, and I, he and I have more to share about. And also, he's a, he's a broadcaster broadcasting on Sundays. That's tomorrow at 11 a.m. called The Simple Truth Moments from 11 o'clock. Uh, AM. Uh, so Earl Clampett and I, we're going to tie everything together in this last segment. And uh, Earl, I guess you and I will be right back. back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and thank you for returning to us and with us for the last segment of this Come Together San Diego broadcast. I've got Earl Clampett as my co-host for the entire two hours. Generally, what happens in the last uh, segment of the two-hour broadcast is we tie all these things together. And Earl, I think this, there's no reason why this shouldn't be the same. We want to tie everything that you talked about together. And a lot of us tied to your book called Homecoming, uh, How the Mystery of the New Covenant uh, Brings Both the Jew and the Gentile Back to Abba Father. Uh, other things as well uh, we talked about, but I'm going to have, including the, the Third Great Awakening and, and the Jews part and the Gentiles part, and they have to be converged Together, And this is a part that a lot of people in the church environment just, you know, they don't know how to deal with the Hebrew part or the Jewish part of the component, but it's vital, vital, vital. Earl Clampett, tie all these strings together and give us a few websites as well. Okay, so if people want to get a hold of uh, my book, um, Homecoming, how the mystery of one new, the one new covenant, uh, I'm sorry, the history of the new covenant brings both Jew and Gentile back to Abba Father, um, they can uh, basically... 
uh, go on www. Simple Truth Ministries. Um, am I a dot net? I think I'm a dot net. Yeah, dot, I'm a dot net. Now I'm not a dot com and I'm not a dot org. I am relegated to a dot net. So, yeah, but I will make you fishers of men. You have to use the net. There, there you go. There you go. Good, good. Thank you. All oh, right, I'll take it. And um, anyway, so and it's uh, it's available on Amazon and it's also available available on my website. But I think this book is really timely because it pulls together so many elements that have up to now been a mystery. Well, mysteries are basically, in the Jewish Bible, a mystery is called the secret plan, Mm -hmm. the secret plan of God, and he's leaving it for these times to reveal it. I mean, the scrolls uh, had seals on them that we can see in Daniel, and and the only one who was entitled to take the seals off was Jesus. And so the seals are being removed from the scrolls. Now, picture a scroll starting to unfurl and and be unraveled in front of you. And revealed to you, and I think that's the season that we are in. Yes, yes. this is this is mind blowing stuff. So, uh, if no for no other reason, both Jews and Gentiles, uh, what brings us together? What is the glue, if you will, on a, in the family context? Is the fact that we both have the same mutual divine Father. Yes. Okay, but here's another reason we need to join forces. At the same time, we both have a mutual diabolical demonic enemy who Ooh. hates us. Say that again, because my listening friend, pay close attention as you observe what's going on in the world today. It is because of the enemy that hates us, and he's given us all sorts of false head fakes and false news and false definitions and things like that. We need to be one with the Father, but not only we as a Gentile, but we as a Jew as well. And when that comes together, then we are embrightened because we have the fullness of God uh, uh, working in our behalf. We are all part, yeah. Jew or Gentile, there we're all part of the commonwealth of Israel. And, and don't forget, you know, <laughs> what Elijah said when he came before Ahab. He says, the Lord God of Israel before whom I stand. He was talking truth to power. And that's what that's what this new coalition of Jew and Gentile is going to be called to do, because the enemy knows the time is short, and yes. he's out of the closet, okay? But we are being made a whole building, being fit together as the dwelling place of God, a holy temple. And in that process, we are coming back full circle in a family sense to be reconciled back to Abba, our daddy, and to understand our identity as members of the household of God. We're family, okay? But we're also being brought back to understand. We have to get indignant about this, Kaz. Our inheritance from our father was stolen from us. That's right. It was taken. It was. You just got ripped off. Yeah, we got got ripped off, but we did it. uh, We we, we thought we were... you know, we were doing a good thing because the enemy had he 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 had faked us. Well, lied to yeah. L I E D. Lied <laughs> to us. Well, here and here's the problem. He keeps lying to us because he's saying, "Give the earth to me." Yeah. In other words, if you still believe in Gnosticism that the material world is evil, well, then he he wants he could celebrate the fact that we are writing off as a loss the earth and all its nations as long as we just get up into the sweet by and by get into heaven. He's jumping up and down, celebrating, going good. They still don't understand. But the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Exactly. In Psalm one fifteen, <laughs> it's really interesting. I take people to Psalm one fifteen, and I said, hey, that'll clarify who. Uh, well, what 
Let's see here. Can I go to Psalm 115? Here we go. Here it is, 115.16. And here it is. Listen, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, right? But look at the second part of verse 16 of Psalm 115. So it's 115, verse 16. Look at the second part. But the earth he has given to the children Hmm. of men. Satan doesn't want us knowing this verse. That clarifies very much who the heavens belong to and who the earth belongs to. That's good. And and that is a clarifier. I love this verse. And we have to get a orientation that we are children of the Most High God. And as children, we are heirs, whether you're a Gentile or whether you're a Jew. And in Christ, there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. We have come together because it's by the Spirit and through the Son we all come back to the Father. I think that's Ephesians 3.18. I love those three prepositions. By the Spirit, through the Son, we come back to the Father. If, if we can keep our eye on the, on the goal— the goal is reunification and restoration, okay, of relationships, of family, and of kingdom government yes. back to this earth, which is full of chaos, disorder, disharmony, everything in hell we are now seeing manifested. And, we're, right. and when we say when we say the Lord's prayer, it's all there. We're not asking that the kingdom come. We're not asking that His will be done. Listen, when it says, um, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name." Listen to how it's being said. It's saying, "Your kingdom come." We're not saying, "May Your kingdom come." That's good. It's a declaration. It's a proclamation. It's a decree on the part of we who are to be the great image bearers of God. That was our original design. And while we're making declarations to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, we're on earth when we're, we're making those declarations and decrees. And by the way, Jesus was on earth when he taught us that singular prayer, Kaz. That's good. Okay, yes. He wasn't up in heaven. He was down on terra firma. His feet were touching on the ground. And he said, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why on earth? Because the earth has been taken over. It's been occupied by a a, uh, foreign, rebellious, spiritual kingdom. The, the, the re- God's got a problem on his hands, Kaz, and it's, and it's yeah. not where we go. It's, it's the problem is rebellion that began, you ready for this, in heaven. Yes. The rebellion began in heaven. If you read Isaiah chapter 14, or if you read um, Ezekiel 28, the, Satan was one of the cherubim, the covering cherub who was right close to the proximity of the Father on the mercy seat. That's how close he was to God, and that still wasn't good enough for that fallen angel. He wasn't satisfied even with that. Okay? So it's not a matter of where we go. It's a matter of life and death. If you know God, you live. If you don't know God, by definition, you're separated, and therefore you have no eternal life. You have death. Yes. So um, wonderful, wonderful insights. My friends, uh, Earl Clampett is a remarkable guy. He's got a radio show uh, tomorrow on Sunday at 11, from 11 o'clock 
uh, and it's called Simple Truth, Truth Moments. Moments. Yep. And I want you to tune into that. Earl Clampa, thank you so much. It's about time for us to go. Thank you for spending some time with me. We got the Jew, the Gentile point of view. We got the circular point of view instead of the linear point of view. So many things. You can come back and visit this in the archives as well. My listening friend, uh, Come Together San Diego will not be on the air next week because there's a special venue that we're going to be that is going to be taking our place. It's a, a Greg Laurie ministry called for the Social Harvest. It's going to be talking about that. And it's going to be one of the broadcast times is during my show. So I'm not going to be on the air next week. But we have always, we have much more things, many more things going on for Come Together San Diego. And my listening friend, you need to know that God has you in his heart because he has the enemy in his crosshairs. And you get to play a role in that as a Jew and Gentile as we come together as this one new man in Messiah. Look out, world. Look out, enemy. God wins. So, my listening friend, thank you for joining us on Come Together San Diego and Earl Clampett. Thank you, my brother. God bless you, and God bless you all. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.